parameters. Player code established. Welcome, Welcome. to the program. A production of TheMetalRobot.com Nobody cares about the robot gimmick! Just start the fucking show already! Ugh. Humans are determined assholes. This is the Metal Robot Podcast. Initializing playback. Welcome to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast, the podcast about all things metal and everything in between. We're on episode 21 of the show now. MRP can legally drink anywhere. Well, except maybe off of Diamond's Midrift. I hear she usually avoids cleaning that area. But on top of that, we're now broadcasting in many other places across the podcast sphere. So if you're joining us for the first time or you don't get your podcasts on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and on YouTube, whenever I fucking upload there, then welcome to the show. Welcome to the program. I'm your host, Tom McKay, and I hope you'll stick around for the ride. First up on the show today, we're taking a look at this week's new releases, including Sabaton's The War to End All Wars. Then we'll find out what the best non-Big Four thrash metal bands are, according to you. Metal news of the week to follow, and then ending the show with an interview with Casket Robbery from months ago. Better late than never. So let's not waste much more time, and let's get into the show. I'm Tom McKay, and this is the Metal Robot Podcast. Listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. All right, welcome to the show. Hope that intro got you pumped, got you excited, get you throbbing, gonna shake the sweats out of ya until you just blew rip it. Okay, that's a bit much. But regardless, thanks for joining the show anyways. Like I said in the beginning, we're starting off with the reviews of this week's releases, the week of March 4th, 2022, to be specific. Uh, and this is the part of the show where I usually tell you that if you have any albums you want me to talk about on future episodes of the podcast, whether they be your own upcoming albums or albums that you're anticipating from your favorite bands, send me an email, tmckay at themetalrobot.com. That's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com. You can try sending it to M-A-C if you want, but you might end up reaching an adult film distribution company at the worst case scenario. Actually, depending on the company that you send it to, that might be a good thing. Or even better, reach out on socials, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. Now, without further ado, let's take a look at what we've got. Sabaton's new album, The War to End All Wars, which, fun fact, is the original phrase used to describe the fight for Rick and Morty sauce at McDonald's. If only the World War I veterans could have seen that shit, pfft, what, what were they complaining about? <laughs> the War to End All Wars marks the band's 10th studio album after two decades of metal-pumping war-fueled action. And that trend continues here. Now, despite the fact that Sabaton became a meme of metal Reddit for a phase and then died with Reddit users' attention span, the band continues to bring forth some loud and abrasive heavy metal goodness. The pounding drums of Hans van Dahl set the foundation for the conflict-ridden album, while the riffs of Tommy Johansson, I hope I'm pronouncing any of these correctly, and Chris Roiland, again, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, bring forth the heavy metal energy. And of course, y'all Kim Broden, uh, again, I don't know, help, is there reminding us that powerful melodic vocals do belong in metal with his gruff, almost pirate-like timbre. Ironic given the subject matter, which actually, side note, were there pirates in 1914 to 1919? 
I'm not talking like modern day pirates, I mean, was Jack Sparrow sailing the high seas and praying German U-boats didn't think he was with the Redcoats? I think kids would pay better attention in history if that were true. The only real outlier is Par Sundstrom, who isn't really doing much in the base department that often. You kinda hear him, but he's mostly doing whatever Tommy and Chris are doing. Which is fine, but I would've loved to hear more from the base, especially when we go disco metal on Soldier of Heaven. Yeah, they do that a lot. I know these guys can be a meme for being the typical tough guy camo pants on a tank type thing. But trust me, okay, five finger death punch, these guys are not. A, they actually pull off that kind of look without looking like twats, but also B, you can tell these guys have great songwriting chops and actually know what the fuck they're singing about and have a great respect for the history of war. So if you are into heavy metal stomp and hoping for a history lesson, well, you should probably go to Google for the latter, but I'd still say check this album out. With a 13 and a half out of 15, it's well worth the listen. Marco Lupinero and the Loud Ones is what they used to call me and my friends in college. Only minus Marco's name and just keep the Loud Ones, we were mostly unwelcome in most public places. But Marco's band is different, because most of the songs on their new album Life and Death are probably actually allowed in most bars. But the interesting thing about this album is, I have trouble finding where to classify these guys under. And it's not because they have a unique sound that's undeniably theirs, though they do have some of that trait, it's because this album is basically Jekyll and Hyde. Only, given how many styles these guys actually have here, it's more like Jekyll, Hyde, Cletus, Baxter, Fletcher, Herbert, he's a stoner, Clyde, Otto, and last but not least, Paul. There are some common themes on this album, though. The punk mentality is commonplace on Life and Death, but aside from that, we jumped from speed metal to heavy metal, stoner metal, you thought Herbert was a joke, a bit of thrash metal, maybe a hint of garage and black metal? And that's just the styles I was able to find. I mean, okay, it's not as inconsistent as I'm making it seem. Again, the punk mentality does seem to keep everything grounded in a specific sound, but it's still impossible to tell where each song is going and what influences will come up. I'll admit it kept me on my toes, but I'm guaranteed not going to be the only one who thought it was at least a bit jarring. That being said, they're still not plebs at these styles. I didn't think they were bad. All members appear to be competent musicians who know what they're doing and seem to enjoy the music they seem to be taking inspiration from. So, if you're looking for a hard rock, speed metal, heavy metal, fucking dig down a dolphin metal, then this, I don't know what to call it, then this is going to be for you. But if you like to listen to metal and simultaneously keep your lunch, then this roller coaster is a bit of a doozy. 12 and a half out of 15, good stuff, but if I wanted my stomach churned, I'd watch the Brass Against Golden Shower video again. Just. wow. Violence Let the World Burn is a thrash metal album. Yes, I know, I know, we haven't even gotten to the best non-Big Four thrash metal band segment coming up later, and I'm already bitching, I know, but come on, what did you expect? It's just another thrash metal band, nothing to it, just paint by numbers, boring thrash metal that I've heard done better by other bands, as we'll get more into later on in the podcast. And yeah, we will get more into that later on, but there are bands that are doing this style better, which is 
weird of me to say, considering this band's particular legacy. You see, they've been around since the late 80s, coming from the San Francisco Bay Area to be specific, and also gave us great musicians like Rob Flynn and Phil Demmel of Machine Head, and Bobby Gustafsson of Overkill. What? Uh, from what I heard? There's no fucking way! So, with that in mind, I wanted to find out if maybe this was an outlier. Turns out it wasn't. Albums like Eternal Nightmare, Oppressing the Masses and Nothing to Gain, they kind of have that sound to it. But to be fair, those albums did come out in 88, 90, and 93, around the same time of the Bay Area thrash scene's peak, or at least coming close to the tail end of the peak. So that sound, back then, was probably more appropriate and of the times. Nowadays, though, this just sounds like the band got back together to relive the glory days of their youth, but they never updated to fit better in the modern thrash world. See, this is exactly my point about modern thrash metal. Many of them fail to realize THE 80s ARE GONE! I mean, come on, at least Slayer showed even the slightest bit of change in their sound over the years. Testament ages like Fine Wine through all this, and other bands like Paradox and Metallica are adding other styles to their sound to create something new. And well, it doesn't help also that Sean Killian can't fucking sing. I'm sorry! Hey, maybe it's just me. I'm sure he's your favorite vocalist, but to me, he just sounds like a yipping chihuahua that hasn't gone out in hours and is five seconds away from relieving himself on your sofa. Look, again, I'm going to go into more detail about other thrash metal bands doing this style better, but for now I'll say this. Violence may have come up around the time of the Bay Area thrash metal peak and are from the Bay Area. But with their new EP, Let the World Burn, getting a solid 9 out of 15, I hope that this project either gets better or the members go back to their more successful projects. I'm looking specifically at you, Phil. Machine Head needs you more than this. Okay, first things first. How the fuck do you pronounce your name? Cause it looks like Nord, but the little tick in the middle of the D says otherwise. Um... Hey, Google Translate, help me out here. North. North? Really? Man, the Icelandic language is weird, he said in the hardest language to learn cause it's consistently inconsistent in everything. Uh, but okay. North's Machine Blood is an album that has me questioning the PR rep's choice in genre, because what you heard is probably more new metal, but the promo says alternative metal. Like, I'm sure that's not a surprise to some of you, but when I think of alt metal, I think of bands like Stone Sour, Breaking Benjamin, Disturbed, System of a Down, Linkin Park, Korn, Ha. Huh. I stand corrected. But okay, the album is really great. The instrumentation is strong with the riffs and leads from Thomas Bujensen and Niels Chubik Hansen. The beats from Gonna Cospi Johansen are basic, but hold a strong foundation underneath Peter Lido's bass while Bjarne Matitsen's vocals blow out the speakers with sheer power. Please tell me I pronounced one of those names correctly. Why did I think it was a good idea to say Danish names? I'm so sorry if I got that wrong. But drawing inspiration from bands such as Early Drowning Pool, Machine Head, Rob Zombie, and Mudvayne, 
I assume, North comes to the plate with metal that not only pounds on your eardrums, but also provides a slight bit of ear candy in the melodies to balance it out. Though it can feel a bit bloated with a 57 minute run length, including an intro track that I'm honestly in full belief that was just there to show off how good Niels and Thomas are at classical guitar stuff. But if you have the time to do so, I'd still recommend checking out this album. Yes, it runs longer than I'm pretty sure it needs to, but if you're looking for a throwback into the days of baggy jeans and spiked hair, then this… well, it won't go that far, Jesus thank god for that, but North's Machine Blood sitting at a cool 13.5 out of 15 doesn't hurt too much, now does it? And that's it for reviews. Like I said earlier, send your emails to teammckay at themetalrobot.com. That's T-M-C-K-A-Y at themetalrobot.com. Or you can reach out on my socials for any upcoming albums you would like covered on the podcast or on the main YouTube show. Stick around, we've got the best non-Big 4 thrash metal band suggested by you coming up on the Metal Robot Podcast. Looking to stay up to date on all things Metal Robot? No, not really. What? Why? I don't listen to metal. How are you listening to this podcast? I thought it was Joe Rogan. We're going to pretend he didn't say that. Follow the show wherever you tread on social media. Facebook and Twitter. At The Metal Robot. Instagram. At The Dot Metal Robot. You can even join the Metal Robot Discord server. We have fun there. Links to all of that and more in the description of this podcast. Follow now. 15 plus artists. Multiple cultures. Multiple languages. One almost unpronounceable name. Homoyoisios. Homi Hoy Moy Mother What the fuck does it say? It's pronounced Homiusius. How? There's 20 O's! It's Latin. What'd you expect? The ultimate collaboration project of 2022. Homiusius. A symphonic, death, blackened, thrashing, grooving core fest. What genres? You're listening to MRP. Podcast. Welcome back to the podcast. Thanks for sticking around. Thrash metal. Yep, we're doing this right now. I did say last week I'd find a way to talk about thrash metal in a different way than I usually do. People know me for being the guy who gets a thrash metal album on my desktop and looks at it like Jack Nicholson looked at Shelley Duvall from The Shining. Which, given my track record with scores for thrash metal albums, you're probably not that far off. I kind of do want someone to put a camera on my face when I'm listening to generic paint-by-numbers thrash metal albums so I can sell frames of it as black metal NFT. But today, I wanted to show thrash metal in a new light. I wanted to hear from you. I wanted you to tell me what the best thrash metal bands of all time are. The caveat? No big four bands. So, no Slayer, no Metallica, no Anthrax, no Megadeth. I wanted to know who the best of the best was outside of those bands, so that we can see who the best of the thrash metal genre is, and hopefully, A, prove to me that thrash metal can be great, and also give some other examples to you, aspiring thrash metal artist, as to how you can do thrash metal without copying exactly what's been done before. You know, with all this, I can just imagine Colin from Thatcher's Paradise with a Grinch grin on the moment, which is both creepy and hilarious to think about at the same time. But alright, 
let's look at what you suggested. So first off, I just want to apologize in advance for the wind you can probably hear in the background. It seems to be really strong today. It doesn't help I'm also on the top floor of my building, so the winds can be very strong in the background. I'll try to get rid of it as much as possible in this podcast, but uh, who knows exactly how well that's going to go. All right, so the first one that I've got up uh, was recoat. Request requested by Ghost Cult Magazine, uh, and the band is Testament, which I'm going to go with this one first, mostly because that was the band that I used in the promo picture uh, for when I was asking people for the best non-Big Four thrash metal bands. Testament was the one that was the band that I used as an example. Like, okay, here's an example of a great uh, band in the thrash metal genre that's also not Metallica, not Slayer, not Megadeth, not Anthrax. Uh, and fun fact, the re- the big reason I know these guys is because I saw them back, well, when concerts were allowed, but also uh, during Slayer's farewell tour when they came here to Toronto. They were with, um, if I remember correctly, it was Behemoth was one of them. Uh, there was also Lamb of God, of course, and Anthrax was with them. So it was a big fucking show uh, in Toronto. And I, w- I had the pleasure of actually attending. I can't remember. I can't. I can't remember if I actually went with anybody for that, but it was still a fucking hell of a show regardless. Um, but I mean, okay. So in terms of Testament, even I got, I gotta admit, they're also like kind of not really the best. Ah! <laughs> I'm going to get a lot of looks, but look, okay. Okay. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. They are really good at what they do. They're very good thrash metal. I'm not saying that they're bad. Uh, they do have that kind of trope with them with the instrumentation. At least they are, they can basically be associated as token thrash metal. And that's just my opinion. And frankly, I know that there are going to be some people that disagree with me on that, but here's the thing. The reason why, that Testament tends to actually be one of the better thrash metal genre, uh, thrash metal bands in the thrash metal genre is because of Chuck Billy. The reason why is because his voice is one of those voices that helps the band stand out. If Chuck Billy was not a part of this band, guaranteed, guaranteed, this Testament would not be where it is today. And that's mostly because the vocals help him stand out. Thrash metal metal as a whole tends to be very monotonous as a whole. Every single band is doing the exact same thing. Testament's not really that different, but it's the vocals that tend to really stand out or maybe a specific way that a solo is crafted or the riffs are crafted or a specific type of drum fill that is usually pretty iconic. And in this case, it's gotta be the vocals. Chuck Billy's vocals are hard hitting. They're very raspy and teeth gritting. And it's one of those things that you gotta admit, it helps really separate, uh, you know, the weed from the grass, if you catch my drift. So Testament is definitely up there. And I know Ghost Cult actually suggested quite a few other bands who I will get to as well. I may not get to all of them because I know one of them is on hiatus and I didn't want to include any bands that weren't currently active. So um, Forbidden, sorry, 
couldn't uh, couldn't get a hold of you. Or maybe they are active. I have no idea. I couldn't find anything else to tell me otherwise. But nonetheless, I will go with most of your suggestions, Ghost Cult. Uh, so, Mr. Keefe, I will uh, go with some of the other ones. But let's continue on down the list here. I've got quite a few suggestions. A lot of them were from my Instagram page. Uh, and the first one up I'm going to suggest here is actually... Uh, Invicta. This was requested by Colin Sterling of Thrasher's Paradise. And I'm not surprised that Colin would suggest Canadian thrash metal. Like, let's be real here. Canadian thrash metal is kind of his thing. If you know who he is, then uh, you know that's the case. If you don't know who he is, go check him out. Uh, He's really cool. But nonetheless, so Invicta, I had to listen through and I got to tell you, At first, I was a bit confused as to, like, wait, why is Colin suggesting Invicta for a thrash metal list-a-thon thing? (laughs) Because to me, I was listening through and I was like, they don't really sound like a thrash metal band. But at the same time, I was also taking a look at one of their music videos. I can't remember the exact one. I don't have it pulled up here. But... I remember it was a performance-based video, and the band, it, it, they, the band looked like a thrash metal band. The logo uh, as well has, like, the kind of thrash characteristics. And in the music video, the lead vocalist slash guitarist had a fucking bullet belt. You heard me? A bullet belt. That is a clear indication that this is thrash metal, because bullet belt is thrash, undeniably compared to other genres. Other genres may have the bullet belt, but thrash metal is the bullet belt. And so I was a bit confused. I'm like, huh, this isn't straight thrash metal. What's going on here? Why does this sound much different from anything else I've heard? And... The thing is that I really started to look into is that this didn't feel like thrash metal, but it was thrash metal. The only thing that they were doing was including other styles into their sound. Uh, I didn't write down all the styles I was able to catch, but uh, MDM was the big one that I was able to compare to. They they have this melodic quality to them in the riffs uh, and even in the melodies of the solos and This is something that I felt was very, very different from anything I've heard. It still has the thrash metal tropes with them, sure, but this wasn't anything that you would hear, like, in random thrash metal bands all around. Uh, And so, like, this was a nice change of pace for me, hearing this and being like, wow, actually, hold on, not too bad. This actually is pretty good, I gotta admit. And Invicta really had that kind of... Uh, thrashing sound with the combination of various styles to really help them stand out. I know I'm saying this over and over again here, but it's really worth hammering that point home. They sound like thrash, but also they don't at the same time. And that is something that I think really helps them stand apart. So Invicta is definitely really good. And I would say, yeah, they probably are one of the best non-Big Four thrash metal bands out there. Um, And so, yeah, I think, yeah, they're definitely a good one to look at. But let's go back to Ghost Cult for a second, because, again, he suggested quite a few uh, on on my Twitter page. Uh, The next one he suggested was Death Angel. And much like Invicta, I was hesitant to even count them. They felt more like, uh, like, hmm. What's the best way I can describe them? The examples I w- that I found were, they felt more like an alternative metal band that was really into Anthrax. Which, now that I think about it, also describes Anthrax. <laughs> so, not, never mind, I forget to say anything. 
Um, okay, okay, it's not that extreme. They do have the thrash metal trope to them, but I found in some of their songs, it felt more like that. It felt more like they were an alternative band, and I was like, huh, again, this is another instance of a band that's being suggested having... I'm not sure you heard that, but... Uh, my TV just crapped <laughs> my monitor with my script. Hold up. So, uh, but one thing that was, um, very evident with the, with this band with death angel was the fact that again, it didn't sound like token thrash metal. I think that was one of the most important parts of this, uh, of this band and why I felt that they were really good when I was listening to it. Maybe not something that was like, uh, keep fucking top tier. Maybe, maybe they are, um, to many people, but for me, it's, it was definitely different. And I think that's something that helped them stand apart. Does that make them one of the best? Eh, not really. I do think that when they do go for the more thrashy style, they do kind of dip more into the token thrash world, which is fine, I guess, as long as you have something to break up the monotony, which these guys apparently do. Uh, and so as a result yeah, Death Angel, hard to say if they would be considered one of the best, but I do see why you would include them on this list. But okay, moving on, the next one I wanted to share uh, is another one suggested by... Uh, Lama, uh, from my Instagram, Lama Train 13 suggested X Order. And, hmm, well, I, I hate to say it, Lama Train, but, uh, I wouldn't say this is one of the best of the genre. I mean, it's pure thrash, sure, and it's definitely heavy. It does implement a bit of groove, but then again, what token thrash metal band doesn't? No, no offense to X Order. I'm not saying they are token thrash metal, but uh, it's just not too different from anything I've already heard in the thrash metal genre. Again, you got to keep in mind, I listen that like me personally, I listen to so much thrash metal nowadays because so many of the PR mailing lists that I'm a part of feature a lot of thrash metal that it really just so many of them are just trying the same damn thing that's been done over and over again. And Exhorter, while they definitely have the groove elements thrown in to be able to keep kind of break up the monotony a little bit in terms of the pure thrashing sound, it's not that different from anything I've already heard. And it's not bad. Again, like the big thing here is it's not bad. It's just not too different. And so while maybe you might include it as one of the best of the genre, Exhorter, I don't know. Like for me personally, I don't see these guys as being one of the best. To me, again, going back to uh, say Invicta, uh, be, uh, the best thrash metal bands in my opinion are bands that break the mold. They don't try and redo what worked in the past in the 80s more or less. They try something new. They try to reinvent the wheel within the genre while still keeping the the core identity and beliefs of the th of the thrash metal sound. And Exorder doesn't really do that here. I'll be completely honest. So uh, not really something I would suggest. But at the same time, you did also suggest uh, Llama Train Thirteen Exodus, which. Yeah, fair enough. I, I I can see a pattern here, but at the same time, it's definitely something that 
is I see again where you're going with this. And Exodus, well, they have some of the similar problems, but they're also something that's very different at the same time. Not okay. No, they're not very different. Actually, they're very much the same. I don't know. Maybe it's because I know who they are already. And uh, fun fact, by the way, one of the founders was Kirk Hammett, which might explain a couple of things. But they, it, I think it's their status that has really kind of morphed their their uh, the way people perceive their sound. But listening to this objectively, I gotta tell you, it's it's not bad. It's really not bad. I think Exodus definitely has done a lot of great stuff in here. Um, I think for me personally, it's just because I've been so fucking, like, desensitized to the thrash metal genre. It just doesn't work as well for me anymore uh, than compared to other people. But yeah, Exodus is still pretty good, I'd say. They they do have a tendency to blend together a lot of their songs when it comes to their albums, whether intentionally or not. Uh, but aside from that, not too bad if you're in for like a fast, aggressive, uh, political fucking thrashing time with more teeth than a T-Rex. Yeah, this is something that you could probably look into. But let's go back to Ghost Cult for a second, because again, he suggested so fucking many of them. Uh, and uh, one of them he suggested was uh, Sacred Reich. So Sacred Reich is Arizona thrash. And, you know... <laughs> Uh, again, this is much like the other bands I suggest uh, that I talked about a second ago. They're kind of okay. I, I know they're considered one of the best by multiple people. And for good reason, you know, they have a, a lot of reasons why they could be successful, why they are successful. Intense riffs, pounding drums, vocals straight from the throat. That sounds more like battle cries than metal vocals which is what you kind of want in this style. I'm not going to lie. It actually kind of sounds really fucking cool. At the same time, though, I basically describe the entire genre as a whole, more or less. Not the entire genre. There are bands that feature more screamed or growled vocals than fucking shouting vocals. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because I'm, again, maybe it's because I'm, I'm just desensitized to the whole genre. And also because I've heard so many best non-Big Four thrash metal bands by this point. But, I mean, these guys aren't a band that I, I can see myself going back to now uh, that often. Uh, this is mostly personal. Like, if Sacred Reich, if you want to check them out, definitely do so if you think that they are something that you'll get into. Because, yeah, again, I see why they are considered one of the best. Me personally, though... Maybe not as much as, sorry, sorry, Keefe, uh, just, just sorry. <laughs> um, but that's okay because again, there are other thrash metal bands out there that actually really do work. Uh, one of them is Overkill. Uh, Overkill, I felt, reminded me a lot of a different thrash metal band that I reviewed a couple years ago called War Curse. They kind of stuck with me and because that's because with Warcurse, I felt they were very, very good uh, in terms of thrash metal. Like, again, I'm very, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I have my strong opinions about the thrash metal genre and basically every other genre that just repeats every, what every other band is doing. But Warcurse, I felt like they weren't really doing that. And Overkill, they kind of remind me of Warcurse, but also have their own identity. Something much more thrash, but also something that most thrash seems to be missing. 
on top of, you know, just being a fucking like trashing romp fest, it's fun and jumpy. A bit still mosh-inducing, of course, but this felt more like fun and and just, you know, a, a bit more upbeat in terms of not maybe the riffs or the lyrics, but it just felt way more fucking, uh, I don't know. It just, it just felt way more like less depressing, I guess, is the word I'm looking for here and less fucking like anger-inducing. It's just fun. Like Overkill is fun, despite the name of the band, Overkill, you might expect something fucking angry and visceral. No, it's just fun. <laughs> it's just fun. Uh, it's still kind of 80s style thrash, but it's also, I think the fun part is that it's unapologetically 80s thrash metal. I kind of got to respect that. And listening through again, it's something that while I don't see myself coming back to from time to time, it's something that I, again, I get why they're suggested. They're just a lot of fun to listen to. Uh, so yeah, overkill. If you, if you think that they're going to be really good for you, check them out. They're really fucking good, but let's keep going down here. Um, so one of the other ones that was suggested was flotsam and yet some, again, we're going back to ghost cult. Oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, uh, Overkill was suggested by Lycanthro, uh, which is a metal band. Definitely check out Lycanthro as well. I think they're really good. But uh, so going back to Ghost Cult, Flotsam and Yetsam was another one uh, that came through and from Ghost Cult. And, you know, again, it's another example of a thrash metal band that differs itself from the main genre. I really, you know, one of these, one of the things I love about this so far is that, you know, much like Testament, it's the vocals that are separating it from the rest. Seriously, I'm not even kidding. It's the vocals that, at the end of the day, that are separating uh, Flotsam and Yetsam from the rest. Because while it's token thrash metal, kind of, sort of, for the for the instrumentation, Eric AK's vocals are geared to more towards a power metal band. Like, what the fuck is he doing here? And can we please keep him? <laughs> like, it serves really great for the sh for the style, the power metal style. He's also kind of going towards the more thrash metal style in terms of his vocal performance. But a lot of the power metal tropes that you would hear in a vocal performance is brought here as well. And it works so fucking well. Flotsam and Yetsam have this sound to them that actually sounds really good. And, you know, while... Again, like the thing about Flotsam and Yetsam, uh, much like Testament, is like it's token thrash until the vocals kick in. Like the test I usually give for for most bands, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here. Please bear with me. But one thing I usually uh, will test for when it comes to a band is if I put any of their songs in shuffle on a playlist, and there's and their song comes up, would I be able to distinguish them from the rest? And if the answer is no, it's usually something that's, uh, there's usually a good reason for it. With Flotsam and Yetsam, it's kind of the same thing. That is until the vocals kick in. And then you know exactly who you're dealing with here. Because that is something that I feel like their identity is kind of geared towards. It is thrash metal, but they are unapologetically crossover in a way. Maybe not crossover, like actual crossover thrash, but they have the style to it that just molds uh, the greatness of power metal vocals with the sheer fucking teeth of thrash metal. And I got to respect them for that. So Flotsman gets them. Yeah, I agree. They are definitely one of the best non-Big Four thrash metal bands out there. 
But let's go back to the suggestions again. Um, the next one I got, this one was one of my favorites. I actually downloaded an album after hearing these guys because I have never heard of them before. Paradox. This was suggested by, I'm going to mispronounce this name. I'm sorry. Vlad Gutierrez 94. Paradox. I've never, never heard of this band before. And I am shocked and in dismay that I've never heard of this band before because they're really good. I, oh my God. They have, like, fucking so much going on. It's not just thrash metal, of course. Uh, it's undeniably thrash metal. Yeah, sure. But notice the power metal melodies. Notice the heavy metal lead guitar work. And this is so much extra shit going on here that it's undeniably their own thing. I've never, as far as I know at least heard anything of this sort in the thrash metal genre. And I got to tell you, it's something that I really wish I can hear more of. Um, so I ended up actually downloading one of their albums. Specifically, I downloaded, um, what was it? Heresy 2? Heresy 2, I thought was really good when I listened to it. So I like, fucking get it, get it now. And, you know, keep an, keep an ear on these guys for future works uh, because it's really good. Um and there's one more after that, because I believe I've jumped around quite a bit here on my list here. But the last one I want to end on uh, is, of course, The Big Daddy. This was suggested by Zacharu, who, by the way, does great interviews. Power Trip. How can I not include Power Trip on this list? How long have I been running for Okay, <laughs> I, I, I got completely distracted. ADHD is a funny thing. I, I started looking at how much time I've been recording this for, but um, so, <laughs> oh, God help me. But uh, they're not, I don't think they're full on thrash metal, more or less. They're more like crossover than anything else, but Zachary, great suggestion, because again, Power Trip is a band that I f was hoping someone would suggest, because, y you know, it's something that I, I feel like deserves to, to be recognized more than anything. And, you know, while they are not straight thrash metal, I think that's something that kind of goes to their benefit here. And of course, that's something that has worked for them for so long. It's crossover, a bit of death metal thrown in for good measure. And while I'm just, I'm going to speed up a little bit more here because I'm running out of time, but while it's not, you know, just token thrash, it's not doing anything different from the others. The kind, they've kind of allowed themselves to show more about their personality in the music. When you hear Power Trip, like in a playlist, in a random shuffle, you fucking know who you're listening to. That's the beautiful thing. That's the important thing that you want to try to do. That's the big thing about most thrash metal bands I find is that uh, whenever another one comes across my desktop and it just sounds like token thrash metal, that I've heard hundreds of times before, it, it gets me disappointed because I'm like, I know there are so many other bands out there like Power Trip, like Testament, like Flotsam and Yetzam, Death Angel, well, maybe not Death Angel, but, uh, well, no, Death Angel counts, sure, but uh, also like Invictus, it's Invicta? Vigda, sorry, Invicta, like bands like that, like, I heard something in the background. What was that? But bands like those give me a good reason to be like, hey, thrash metal, you can do better. There is no fucking excuse for you. Stop copying the past. It doesn't work anymore. The 80s died out when the 90s kicked in. So please, just thrash metal, I plead to you, 
Do better. You can do better. You should be doing better. Times have changed. Even like most of the big thrash metal bands that you're copying have moved on. Slayer no, lo- no longer exists. Metallica ended up doing something else fucking entirely. Anthrax, I don't follow much Anthrax. Megadeth, bad example. But <laughs> nonetheless, you can do much more with the genre. You don't have to stick with the token thrash metal stuff. And I think that is the key point here. One of the one of the big reasons why I did this segment is not only to be able to have people tell me, hey, thrash metal is good, shut the fuck up, check this out, but also to give me an excuse to see bands here that are doing something new with the genres, bands that are doing something outside of the token thrash metal style that I seem to be getting a lot of in my mailbox. And that is something that I think many thrash metal bands need to aspire to. So seriously, if you are in a thrash metal band and you're just writing your music now, take into account many of the bands I mentioned here. It's worth looking into, you know, why these bands work so well, why they are, why they sound like they do, why they are able to stand out in the genre rather than being another fucking band in the crowd. I'd say look into them because seriously, these bands are actually really fucking solid. All right, that's all the bands I was sent from you. Thanks to everyone who shared their favorites. And I'll be honest, I was surprised by the amount of actually great bands the genre has to offer. I mean, some of them have the same problems as the bands I usually grill, but I can see why these guys are considered the best in the genre. These bands were, of course, all suggested by you on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can check the podcast description and give me a follow there, because I just might do something like this in the near future. All right, don't go anywhere. Metal News of the Week coming right up, followed by Casket Robbery on the Metal Robot Podcast. This week's Metal News Recap is brought to you by My Sanity. Everything is so depressing! Why? To stay up to date with the latest in the metal scene, check out TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. Now, back into the podcast. Presented by TheMetalRobot.com, this is MRP News. I'll never get tired of that stinger. It's so underpolished, bass-heavy, and... Yeah, I should probably update it at some point. All right, let's get into the news. These are 100% false. Uh, there's zero truth to it whatsoever. And I'm not just saying that being biased because he's my brother. Um, I know these. I know this for 100% facts. That is the voice of Justin Horval, a co-founder of Hell's Headbangers, a metal label and distribution site, talking about his brother and fellow HH founder, Eric Horval, in a gloriously over-pixelated and overexposed YouTube video. I know this is not the core issue here, but can we please get this dude an actual webcam and some proper lighting? It just looks like his whiteness is just blinding the camera. It's insane. Look, if you can't see it, don't worry. The video is down in the description below to see for yourself. But the reason he's talking about his brother is because Eric Corville has been accused by his ex-fiance of physical and psychological abuse towards her and her 18-year-old son, as well as claiming that she was raped. This all coming out on her Facebook page, including showing pictures of her son's written statement detailing his story. That obviously caught a bit of traction on the web, and in response, Justin Horville, oh wait, sorry, J-Dog is what he's being called, because apparently he's a cartoon dog telling kids not to do drugs for the D.A.R.E. program. But he took to YouTube with his webcam and determined spirit 
to insert himself into the conversation. Not only is it not cool because he's my brother, but also now my name's in there too, and my uh, business, uh, Hell's Headbangers. So this is complete slander and defamation. We do have uh, an attorney representing us, um, so there's that. Side note, you don't want to know how many of the us I had to take out of that clip to make it sound cohesive. Oof. Prepared statements, J-Dog. Take it from me. Prepared statements are the way to go. But I find it interesting how he made a point about his involvement and the business, as that's not something we usually hear often in these cases. Eric is accused of something horrible, and his brother, fellow business partner, shares a name with him. So he is going to probably get dragged through the mud here. Well shit, no wonder the video looks like it was shot in a fucking sauna. Our boy J-Dog here is sweating so much, he's fogging up the lens. <laughs> <laughs> uh, please don't sue me. Anyways, at the moment, it's mostly hearsay. You can find both posts in the description of the podcast. Hell's Headbangers is looking at legal options, as you heard earlier, so until someone files a lawsuit or it's settled out of court, who knows how this is going to go. We'll have to wait and see what happens. Speaking of lawsuits and horrible people, Marilyn Manson is back in the news. If you remember from not too long ago, he was being sued by multiple women for sexual abuse allegations, including one of his ex-girlfriends, Evan Rachel Wood. She's even making a documentary about it coming out on HBO in a couple of weeks. He studied how to manipulate people. He groomed her. He's a predator. Everyone was looking at Marilyn Manson and they weren't looking at Brian Warner. Well, he's in the news again this week because somebody gave Manson a reverse Uno card because now he's suing her over various things, including claiming she forged an FBI letter. This according to Deadline.com, with the legal complaint stating that the original suit was, quote, malicious falsehood that has derailed Warner's successful music, TV, and film career. Uh, they are aware we're talking about a guy who's nominated for a Grammy with Kanye West, right? Actually, forget I said anything. Anyways, the suit was also posted online by Manson, saying on his Instagram, quote, There will come a time when I can share more about the events of the past year. Until then, I'm going to let the facts speak for themselves, and then link to the PDF file of the complaint. Because yes, we all know every legal paper states only facts and not distorted delusions of a monster trying to hold on to his dying fame. Everyone's aware of this. I'm only kidding, please don't sue. The full complaint is linked below if you want to read it, but I'll say this much for now. It's amazing how easy it is for a man with the name Manson to file a lawsuit and claim innocence at the same time. It's pretty amazing the times we live in. But of course, we'll have to wait and see what happens. So far, Manson fans have been enjoying this kind of press, including commenting on the trailer for Evan Rachel Wood's documentary, demanding HBO not release the documentary until the case is done. As of right now, though, the documentary is still set to release on the 15th at the time of recording this podcast, but I'll keep you updated if anything at all changes with this. Then in not-so-depressing and people-are-monsters-too news, Bandcamp was purchased by Epic Games. No, you didn't hear that wrong. Bandcamp, the place where bands and artists have their music published, was bought for an undisclosed amount by the reason Fortnite funnies fill your Twitter feed whether you want them to or not. Now, the amount Bandcamp added to their bank accounts isn't known as of right now, but the CEO of Bandcamp, Ethan Diamond, wanted to reassure users of the site in a press release 
that nothing is going to change, most notably with their artist's first revenue model where artists net an average of 82% of every sale. The changes going forward are apparently more behind-the-scenes stuff. Quote, we're working with Epic to expand internationally and push development forward across Bandcamp. From basics like our album pages, mobile apps, merch tools, payment system, and search and discovery features, to newer initiatives like our vinyl pressing and live streaming services. Going on to say that Bandcamp's mission and Epic's mission line up together, which is why the acquisition was able to happen. Again, no news on what these developments will look like as of recording this podcast, but if anything does happen, I will keep you up to date. And then finally, let's update you on Ukraine. The war is still going on at the time of recording this, and things are obviously insane right now. In the metal world, there's also some developments in relation to this. Ginger, of course, has bowed out of their North American tour dates, including Notfest in relation to the crisis, making sure that their families are safe. They're also setting up a donation campaign to help various charities in their home country of Ukraine. They do still have dates active for Latin America and Europe at the time of recording this, but who knows how long that'll last given the current crisis. They'll be posting updates on their main website in regards to that. Other cancellations are coming in as well, including Bring Me the Horizon cancelling their tours in Russia, Belarus, and Ukraine, which they announced on their Twitter page in solidarity with Ukraine. But of course, humanitarian efforts are also being made as well, including by those in the metal community. For example, Hubert Wiencek and War Claude Kiltika, ex-bassist and current guitarist for Decapitated, are helping at the Ukrainian-Polish border by delivering supplies to Ukrainian refugees fleeing the devastation. Though it's not just guns and explosions causing problems in Ukraine, misinformation is also causing issues, with Russian state media trying to scramble as much shit as possible to delegitimize Ukraine, including going after Ukrainian artists apparently. Self-God, a one-man death metal project out of Ukraine, wound up being one of those unlucky people on Putin's radar. Or at least that's according to the project's sole member, Serge Streltsov, who's also played with Necrophagia, in case anyone's taking count. Talking specifically about a photo of him in front of a Kolovrat solstice flag, a symbol some websites list as a symbol for representing far-right neo-paganism. While he didn't deny the validity of the photo when speaking to Metalsucks.net, Serge said it's more a symbol for the Slavic people dating back over a thousand years any kind of political agenda. All of this becomes understandable why he said, quote, I'm a fan of all cultures, I'm just against anyone who praises Putin and war. Oh, don't worry, Serge, you're not alone. In fact, one group usually left out of this discussion is the Russian people themselves. It's easy to forget, but it's worth reminding all of us this war is Putin's war, not Russia's. Something made clear again by a statement by Slaughter to Prevail. Yeah, those guys. More specifically by their vocalist Alex Terrible, the worst porn star name ever, had to say it, who made a statement on the matter on behalf of the rest of the band. We against the war. We against any war. It is so hurt us to see what is happening right now in Ukraine. Please do not make the whole Russian people an accomplice. I wish you a 
beautiful, peaceful sky above your head. Now, while that clip I just played is slightly trimmed down to get my point across, the entire minute-long video is summed up by those 20 seconds. I will link to the full video down below, however, along with everything else I mentioned on this podcast. The war is still going on at the time of recording this. If you want to support Ukraine, who still needs your support right now, I've included the link to the various charities you can donate to down in the podcast description. That's it for this week's Metal News Recap. If you want to check out everything I've talked about here, check the link in the podcast description for my sources document featuring all the links I've plugged. You can also check out TheMetalRobot.com for more news and press that can be found throughout the week. Casket Robbery coming up in just a moment. This is The Metal Robot Podcast. Metal addicts call it symbiosis between extreme metal and classical music. Cult Metal Flick says cinematic landscapes collide with atmosphere. Tom McKay says it's the reason my veins are filled with caffeine. Wait, what? I can't help it! I'd rather write awesome metal than sleep! Give me a fucking ambient, please! Call to the Demon Sultan is out now on all streaming platforms. And while you're at it, pick up some cool merch by going to metalrobotreviews.creatorspring.com or check the links in the podcast description. Stream now. Ever wanted to take Metal Robot interviews on the go, but had this happen? Dead? I charged this last night! For fuck's sakes! Ah! While we can't solve a bad phone battery, you can take the interviews you love with you wherever on MRP Throwbacks. Be sure to hit save for when you want this on your evening drive to the venue. Do you know the record Teenage Dream by Katy Perry? Oh god. I want to get whoever produced what that record. No, it's... <laughs> Sorry. MRP Throwbacks. Only on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple Podcasts. You're listening to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. So that pure fucking disgusting growling death metal music is Casket Robbery. They're a Midwestern death metal band who've been around for quite some time now. Now, not too long ago, they released the song you just heard, The Hidden, The Hideous, the new title of the Love Life chapter of my autobiography. That song came out back in 2021, and I sat down with the band over Zoom to talk more about it back in fucking September. This interview's just been sitting on my hard drive, collecting digital cobwebs. And frankly, the only excuse I've got for that is that October was stockpiled with a lot of videos for the YouTube channel. Any members of the Discord channel already know about my mental breakdown in that regard, but I had it planned, I believe, to upload during that month, but given the breakdown, it never happened. And soon enough, they ended up releasing a new single, Bone Mother. And so the entire interview became slightly outdated before it even released. But that being said, the interview went really well. Like, nobody wanted to murder the other. We all came out with our heads sewn tight on our bodies. And so I figured, fuck it. I'll share it with you here. Think of it like a throwback of sorts, though not exactly a throwback like my actual podcast subseries, MRP Throwbacks. More like a, yes, I'm actually plugging it here, fuck you, but more like a throwback like, hey, Casket Robbery, remember this thing we did? Everybody else is just kind of enjoying it on the side. But anyways, here's Casket Robbery. How are you guys doing so far? How's your day been so far? Good, good. I actually just got done with work, so... Yeah, same, I just came same. home. <laughs> just, just got done with work, but it's it's uh, going to be a great night. I'm guessing not too exhausting work, uh, just to dealing with work and then going to the music thing. Not too exhausting. 
No, we're kind of used to it. Yeah, no, we're, we're used to it. <laughs> but doing this long enough, it's just, it's yeah. just second nature by this point. So, yeah. so obviously I gave a brief summary about who you guys are, but for the viewers of this channel who don't know who you are and are really hoping that the corn and Budweiser thing is a joke, uh, can you tell them more about who you are, where you're from, and what you do? Yeah. Um, well, like you said, we're from the Midwest, uh, Wisconsin, to be exact. Uh, we started around 2012 and, um, yeah, we just started this band actually as like, um, just writing stuff and releasing it online. <laughs> and that was like the only intention it was just kind of like an internet type thing. And, uh, it just kind of sp spiraled from there because a lot of our friends liked the songs a lot. And then we got asked to do shows and we didn't even have a band at that point. So uh, we put together a band because we kept getting these awesome show offers. Um, and actually, our first show ever was with Jungle Rot, uh, which was a very cool, cool uh, festival thing um, in a town nearby. And yeah, I don't know. It just kind of kicked off from there. It was like everything just kind of grew um, really naturally from there. That's pretty good. And you said, uh, yeah, you played with Jungle Rot. I also saw in the promo you played with Cannibal Corpse. What was that like? It was so much fun. Um, I was so nervous. <laughs> we, uh, it was in our hometown. So the turnout was so, so great. Uh, it was a sold out show and it was just, that night was surreal. Um, it, it was an absolute blast. Yeah. Well, that one was cool. Cause it was like, we, we spent a lot of time touring and, um, you know, just playing small local shows. And then just to kind of see the, all the hard work we put in over the, the, you know, over the many years we were touring and stuff, um, and, you know, just to be asked to do a show of that caliber, caliber in our hometown. That was, that was really cool. So I got to ask this because I've seen the photos online. Is Corpse Grinder's neck that big? Is it that yeah. big? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I don't know why. A part of me always thought it was photoshopped. So I was like, "There's no goddamn way someone's neck could be that big." But it is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <sighs> oh, that is that's good to know. Good to know. <laughs> We're asking the important questions here on the show, yeah, people. Only important ones. Only the important questions. So, uh, so you guys are inspired by a lot of horror movies. Now, being horror buffs, I feel like I might be able to get an hour worth of talk for this one. But do you think horror movies have improved or have only gone downhill in the 21st century compared to the gory 80s? I think that for a while they got real bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, like there wasn't a whole lot to go off of for quite a while there. I think we're kind of seeing a turn right now. Um, I'm liking a lot of stuff that's coming out lately. I think it kind of pays a lot of homage to the older horror movies and things like that. So I'm kind of excited. Um, we actually just spent the other night um, at a drive-in uh, that does From Dust Till Dawn horror movies uh, once a year that we always go to. And they played one of the newer like horror movies uh midnight zombie massacre yeah and um just derailed my oh, train sorry. of thought <laughs> 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 i was just really impressed it uh it has a lot of the the humorous things in there lots of gore things like that but yeah i don't know i think there's some good still out there i think there's some good um coming <laughs> 
Do you have a personal favorite of the modern horror scene? Uh, any particular movie that you go to that was released in recent days? You know, I was very pleasantly surprised with the new Halloween. Mm. Uh, yeah. Um, I did not have high hopes for it at all. I will admit that. And Understandable. I, it, the movies are super brutal. Like they're very gory. Um, like almost to the point where it was like, Oh, gee, oh, they're not holding back at all. Um, but still kept like the same little like bouts of cheesiness and all of that stuff that I just love so much. So that would be my pick for like recent things. And I know Halloween kills comes out in a few weeks. So uh, I'm stoked to go see that. Yeah. Super excited. Well, let's just pray that that one does not get the nightmare on Elm street reboot treatment. That would be fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) That would be, Oh God. So, uh, but uh, while I was coming up with questions for this interview, I stumbled upon an interview you guys did with uh, Wonderbox Metal uh, that came back uh, in 2016. Uh, you were asked how you felt about the then current death metal scene back then. Megan, I don't think you were a part of this interview, but uh, Corey, I, I know you I were. Now, Corey, you were along with Patrick, uh, and your thoughts were yeah. pretty positive about the death metal scene at that time. Corey, you were talking about some uh, some great music of the Midwestern uh, death metal scene, and Patrick was going as far as to name drop Fallujah as something that he was very excited about. But that was five years ago. Since then, Corey, has your thoughts changed over the death metal scene so far? And Megan, same to you. Has your thoughts changed in five years? Do you still feel as strongly positive about it? Or has your opinion shifted in any way? Um, I still feel positive about it, honestly. And and since then, actually, a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of cool bands just from our literally wisconsin like our neck of the woods um doing really cool things uh there's there's oh there's macabre uh we're good friends with those guys they're on prosthetic records um and they've been touring a lot since since that time i think they started around they were around in 2016 too we used to or we still do play shows with them but i know we played shows with them back then too um but yeah, it's I I love it. I think it's positive, and I think, um, gosh, we're seeing a lot of more people uh, coming to shows. You know, at least before the pandemic hit. Um, yeah. Okay, and Megan, what about you? Have have your opinions on death metal changed over the past five years? I know you weren't part of the interview, but has it all at all changed? No, I actually wasn't a part of the band at that point either. Oh, um, that would explain yeah. why you weren't there. <laughs> Um, you know, we've been really fortunate to, with all the touring that we've done since I've joined, um, to see all of these scenes around the U S and to play with a lot of the local bands from there and to be on a, a tours with, with really great bands. So I've had nothing but really, really great experiences. Um, there've been a couple, you know, like you're going to get the elitists in there and stuff. Always. Um, <laughs> but, uh, it's kind of few and far between at this point, I think everything's kind of genre wise blending a whole lot. So getting less and less of that, but, I, I have very, very high hopes for music. I know everyone with this past year and a half is kind of chomping at the bit to get out there, us included. Um, but yeah, I think I think that the future in death metal and metal in general is going to be really great. 
Uh, what is your usual experience with what you mentioned, the elitist crowd? What's your usual experience with those those dumb motherfuckers? Um, you know, it's at a certain point you have to just laugh it off. Um, there sometimes sometimes we're not brutal enough for certain whatever, but then we're too brutal for this, and then we're not this and not this, and it just it, the. I can totally empathize and understand how some people do not like certain things. I think everyone's allowed to not like things. I don't think you have to broadcast the things that you don't like. Just don't like them. Like what you like. Um, But I I think we, we do what we like to do and people seem to love it. So you know, I, I, I just let people like what they like and, and elitists go away. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the elitists just go back to the corner of the internet that remembers yeah, yeah, Morbid Angel listen, from the eighties. Please go back. To. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so, um, I've actually, uh, with that in mind, I've I've had the opportunity to do to give a quick look through your back catalog along with the latest single, The Hidden and The Hideous. Well, there's no end. I'm just... Moving on. Maybe it's just me, but there seems to be a clear evolution in the overall sound. Obviously, with Megan being a new addition uh, to the sound since the debut in 2011. Uh, but one thing I noticed is the sound overall has improved drastically from the classic death metal production of your debut self-titled to the more punchy and pumping sound of the latest single. Uh, what else do you feel like has changed or evolved since 2011? Um... Yeah, that's that's an awesome question. Um, so a few things like, okay, so definitely the production itself, um, like how we record the stuff that has evolved quite a bit. So in 2011, when we released, uh, I think it was a, the EP, the self-titled EP, um, we were doing it in, a, in my bedroom uh, with like a drum machine, you know, and we did drum tracks. Um, I did all the guitars, I did all the bass. And then the former vocalist would lay down vocals and it was like, you know, just whatever microphone we had, it was probably a sure SM57 um, standard mic, you know, whatever we just got, we just recorded and that was it. So once, and then we did a few other uh, EPs um, in between there, uh, one called Shrouded in Darkness. We did the same way, um, which was a digital only thing. I don't think that exists online anymore. Um, and then 2016, when we dropped the album, the full length, we were like, let's do this. Um, let's do it f- for real. Like, let's have um, somebody else record guitars, you know, bass and all that. So we went to a studio. I kind of learned how these people were doing the stuff. Um, so we did parts of it in my home studio, other parts with uh, people that were we hired to record. And we just kept doing that. And now we're at a point where, you know, uh, our guitarist, Troy, kind of took over a lot of the uh, production part of it. And he's got a full-blown professional studio. He does it for a living. And um, so our tracks are just phenomenal. And then we send it off. We send this one to Christian Donaldson of Cryptopsy. uh, And he mixed and mastered it. And it's just, it's just, we found like the perfect, it takes a while to find that perfect, uh, mix uh you know like recording how to record it perfectly and then who who to send it to and stuff and i think we dialed that in the way we like it um 
And then, yeah, just the songwriting too is different, obviously with Megan being in and we've really pushed the horror vibe really hard. And uh, that kind of adds a different creepy element to things. I so. actually did. Yeah, I did notice actually there was a, a slight difference from the classic 2011 album uh, compared to the hidden, the hideous. Uh, and I noticed maybe it's just me. Was there deathcore influences in the guitar work? Like, I feel like there was a little bit of that involved with like the chugga, chugga, chugga. Yeah. In, in the hideous song. Yes. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Nope. For sure. Um, there's always been deathcore, metalcore influences, to be honest. Um, you can catch a little glimpse of glimpses in the, the first album too. Um, and then our EP in 2017, the Ascension, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of people sit, ask that about yeah, that EP. Like, a lot. Sounds like you're going more metalcore route. Um, so, you dare include core in my death metal? Ah! Yeah, like that kind really of thing. Yeah. Deathcore. Yeah. So, you know, we, yeah, we've definitely, I've always had those influences in me. Um, so they kind of come out here and there. I, and I also like melodic death metal is a big mm. thing for me too. So you can hear the, the melodicness kind of evolving as well. So <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You de- I, I get, I could definitely hear the melodic death metal in there as well. Uh, it's enough. I, I think more of the melodic in like the synth work, especially with the hitting the hideous, like with the, yep. the music box sound in the background, there's a lot more melody there, but I definitely see where you're coming from with that one. Uh, so this is a very important one that I do want to ask you guys. Um, uh, how do you feel the music landscape has changed for you or for, that many of the bands around you uh, with the rise and increasing necessity to have a presence online. Like since 2011, I, I know like it was still a thing, but it wasn't as prevalent as it would be say nowadays. Do you feel like that has changed for the better or for worse? I think that you could kind of get both instances in there. Um, the big thing about it being hard is it is constantly changing. Um, the need to be on all of the different platforms and those constantly changing and things like that kind of just slowly over time needing to adapt to all of this stuff. And if, if you can't adapt to what's going on right now, I mean, I don't want to say you're not going to make it, but it's rough. It's, it's, it's tough. Uh, the the need for all of these different things is very time consuming um it's helped us one of the big positives for it is all of the relationships that we've been able to kind of cultivate with our fans um that wouldn't have been able before we see people on the road but now we are able to connect with our fans in in all of the different countries all of the different states and especially through this last year and a half um it's been pretty integral in keeping us afloat um, without being able to tour and play shows. So um, yeah, it's, it's hard. It's slowly getting more digital with absolutely everything, but uh, we kind of just adapt as, as it goes and, and learn what's happening and kind of see what's working for us and use that to our benefit. Yeah. And it it has changed a lot since the beginning of the band for sure. (laughs) Oh yeah. It's we, we've always been a really online focused band. I knew, I knew all of this was coming in the early days. So we did a lot online to, to, you know, kind of follow that trend. But um, 
yeah, lately it's been like crucial actually. Like you have to, before you didn't really have to be online all the time doing stuff, but now it's like you have to just to kind of keep up with what's going on. Yeah, the world has definitely changed in that aspect. Because I feel like, especially with, uh, for example, my own channel, I feel that being able to be on social media allows me to, yeah, like you mentioned, connect with people uh, who are in the music industry, but also with many of the fans. But it's also something that takes up a lot, a lot of your time, time that arguably could be spent towards creation more than just, hey, check this out, or hey, I'm posting a funny meme on social media. Uh, <laughs> but how... I have I've had to do more of that recently, but have you? How have you guys adapted? Because I know many bands find the struggle to be real, but how have you guys managed to adapt with your social media? Um, it's it's honestly just a constant learning experience. We've definitely, like you said, um, you know, you can get too far into doing all of this stuff online and being on every single platform and doing all this stuff, and then you kind of take away from actually creating music or having the time to do that. So kind of finding where those boundaries lie and uh, making sure we don't get burnt out and things like that. The One of the, the best things that we both love about this is being able to connect with all our fans and do all that stuff. So finding that balance while doing that and creating new music, um, which we're like on this huge like upswing right now with how much we've been creating lately. Um, it's, it's all kind of learning. I don't have super, <laughs> super great advice about it. Um, we daily, we, yeah. it's a, it's a struggle sometimes um, daily. Yeah. We we've always really focused on the stuff, but we are finding too where um, we kind of overdid it online. And then you, you've got to find like, Oh, okay. Uh, we're, 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 little burned out on this so let's back up a little bit let's get back to like creating music like that's why we're here in the first place um and yeah there's definitely a balance and you know um we've hit those thresholds <laughs> so we are still learning and figuring out how to how to balance it all too um but uh it's it's working really well for us so we're you know lately we've been kind of uh pushing the, the content and music creation more because we've got like a ton of music ready to release. How often have you guys on social media used the scheduled post function? Like, I'm just yeah. kind of yeah. curious on that one. How, how yeah. often do you use that? Um, I use it daily because yes. uh, I, I kind of manage it. I like, I'll, I'll wake up really early. Um, and then even if I have to go to work, I, I know the certain times that seem like posts get more traction and it's definitely not early in the morning. So I'll schedule out the posts for that day. Um, I do want to get it to where I can like schedule out like weekly posts. That would be cool. But I don't know how long that would take. <laughs> I usually just do it daily. So. It's just take an entire day and just like, okay, post for Monday. There's a post for Tuesday. <laughs> post for Wednesday. Post for Arbor Day just because I can. Post for right. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear God. Yeah. Uh, so I, I do want to briefly talk about uh, the a kind of noticeable shift I've seen uh, in the past couple of years. This is more in relation to a couple of videos that I saw put out by Spectre Sound Studios in related to uh, the put up the release of albums, uh, because there was a couple of videos where he talked about, you know, 
making albums is a financial burden or it's a bit of a problem. Uh, and it does seem like in the past couple of years, like since 2019 at least, you guys have favored single releases rather than LPs and EPs, aside from the extended bonus release for The Ascension. Can you go into detail about why that is, unless you guys are time travelers, because I don't see how you would have figured that out beforehand. <laughs> um, it's kind of trial and error at this point. Um, we go back and forth talking about uh, albums versus uh, singles or EPs kind of constantly and seeing um, where it fits in our touring schedule, show schedule, things like that. Um, we've actually been sitting on a full length album uh, for the past two years year and year, a half year and yeah, a, yeah. like, like finally finished it completely over the pandemic and everything like when everything was on lockdown um oh if you're if you're stuck at home you got time to do right so right yeah. and so we found that right now it's helpful for us to get these singles out and have like be able to do full marketing through all of it um to kind of more consistently get music out to, to everyone. A really important thing for us with the full length album was to be able to tour off of it. And right now with everything this past year and a half being so crazy, uh, we've kind of had to readjust our, our plan for releasing this music. So, so yeah, yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything to add? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's looking more more and more appealing as time goes by that singles are are kind of the way to do it um especially if you take into account like a band like spirit box who did all of these singles um and it, it's i don't know how long it took them to release the album i think it just came out last week or this it week. did yeah this um, week but they they released singles all the way and hyped it super hard and then uh, just put those songs on an album um and with the way digital uh, streaming is going and stuff like that, especially a band at our level, um, you know, there's there's not a million people out there waiting for our album. Um, so if we can just release singles consistently, that kind of boosts up um, the amount of content and things that we have to talk about. Uh, with albums, it's a, a lot of times that happened with our first album. You know, once we released the album, it was old news. So here we had these 10 awesome tracks, which we can still promote and stuff, but um, kind of the leading up and the hyping up to the release was, was uh, I guess, really critical. Um, now, nowadays, we can just do that with each song, just hype one song at a time. And, and I don't know. It's, it's tough, too. It's like, it's like the Wild West. Um, you, there's no rules anymore, I don't think. Um, so there's no one really telling us to put out an album so we could do singles and then maybe put out an album later if we want you know what do you, what do you feel are the uh, downsides or the upsides of doing a full-length album with like 10 12 songs or a single release that you could just put out whenever you want and as often as you want yeah def uh downside for an album is definitely the cost to do a full album all at once uh, the and money the money yeah, it's incredible. Like uh, the amount to, to fully market it and promote it with PR and stuff is very, very expensive. 
Um, and then, to, you know, and it, the production on it, just yeah. at this point to the, to the point of where we want, yeah. you know, that's, it's really important to us at, at this point, which I think you can hear in, yep. in hideous, yep. uh, and even, even in from hell. Yeah. I mean, even like, you know, even with us recording all of the album ourselves, um, even having somebody mix and master, you're talking like entry level is like 5,000 bucks, you know, for like a really pro and that, and that's just there's your starting point, and then from there you can tack on like uh, you know PR marketing and stuff. So it, it gets pretty hefty. Um, the other thing I was gonna say too about albums, man, I I, I could go on forever about this. So just <laughs> I'm going on too long. Um, it's uh, the whole trying to get ten really awesome songs together. Um, you're gonna have some B sides. You know what I mean? Like not every track is gonna be super perfect single material i i just think it, if, if you look back how many albums can you think of that are just all singles um maybe a few gems um but that's the cool thing with singles then so the benefit with singles is like you can just focus on making it single material and and then just do that more often and then you have better songs to focus on um and cheaper to do you know all right that's fair enough. Yeah, I guess the kind, the kind of trade-off that uh, that I've noticed, at least from what I've heard, at least, is you're spending more creative energy on a full-length album than you are on a single because you can just spend, you know, put all that energy towards one single, make it the best thing possible, or you can divide it out into like however many songs you've got for the album. Yeah. 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 Okay. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, you're writing off the back of the most recent single. Uh, so far, from what I've been able to find, at least, maybe if I go to the deep, deep corners of the internet, I could find different responses. But so far, it has been received very well by the fans and as well by critics. Uh, but what about after this single? What is the future of Casket Robbery for 2021 or 2022 and so on and so forth? Where do you see the future of the band going? Um, we actually kind of went right back into the studio after that. Our plan is finishing up another single right now um, to have its release soon. Um, and then we're kind of staying cautiously optimistic about uh, touring and shows and all of that. Uh, so we want to be back out on the road as soon as possible. Uh, that's That's really what that is. And then just to keep creating music i don't know yeah that's that's kind of what our agenda has been we, we kind of brought it back to the roots of the band so like i said the band started as just recording music and releasing it however we wanted to do it you know like the you know we first released a e couple singles and then made that into an ep and just kind of did our thing um so we're kind of taking it back just trying to enjoy creating music um and um, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, we're, we're just going to keep creating stuff. And then uh, I hope that we can get back on the road soon, for sure. And we've okay. got a really, really, really sick video that we're really excited yeah. to release shortly. <laughs> yeah. Can't wait. All ready to go. <laughs> hell yeah, hell yeah. We're so excited. So, <laughs> yeah. All right. And finally, I think this might be the most important question of this entire this entire video, Okay. If you could be any cereal box character, who would you be? I hit the mic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Shit. A cereal box character, huh? Um, this is the question that everybody wants to know. 
That is an awesome question. <laughs> I I would go with what the the rabbit tricks. Oh God, the trick rabbit. Yeah, wow. yeah. The tricks rabbit. Wow. You want to be a tricks rabbit? Yeah. All right. I don't know why. I don't know. That one just popped in my head. But Megan's just, just looking around like shit. That was my idea. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> was a thing yeah well, it's the silky <laughs> rabbit thing I, I, that's, that's totally me <laughs> I, w- I, w- I think I'd go Count Chocula because yeah. vampires yeah are cool I was gonna say that but I, I well you I, didn't I, I, <laughs> it's like well it's mine now bitch <laughs> but I, li- I like how whenever because yeah, I'm not gonna lie you're not the first one I've asked this question to I love how Count Chocula is actually the most popular answer thus far yeah vampires are cool <laughs> yeah I agree <laughs> Well, I mean, depends on where you look. Twilight still sucks. But uh, yeah, definitely yeah. vampires still sucks. Right. All, right. Well, <laughs> all right, that was Casket Robbery talking about The Hidden, The Hideous. You can check out the song and their new single, Bone Mother, down in the podcast description. Okay, let's wrap this up right here on the Metal Robot Podcast. You just listened to MRP, the Metal Robot Podcast. All right, the sound of Reign of Fire means we're about to end the encore, which means it's time to bring the show to a close. I'll be taking next week off of the podcast uploads to focus on bettering the show, but also catching up with the main YouTube channel. I've been kind of neglecting it unintentionally in recent days, if you haven't noticed. That being said, though, I will be back with the podcast two weeks from now on the 19th of March. So mark your calendars, stay tuned for that. But as always, thanks for listening to the Metal Robot Podcast. You can follow the show on the internet, YouTube, Metal Robot Reviews, Facebook and Twitter at The Metal Robot, Instagram at The Dot Metal Robot. You can also check out everything Metal Robot on TheMetalRobot.com for videos, reviews, press, and so much more. I'm Don McKay. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and I'll see you in the mosh pit next time. Have a good night. <laughs>